on this week's thoughts from the shade. Bomb makes his return. We have a call into the spot in the shade line. Our Philadelphia Phillies are in a dogfight against the Braves and the Eagles just keep on rolling. We'll close the show looking to stay high with our picks. Welcome back, everybody. It's episode 106 of Thoughts from the Shade. And I'm not alone this week. Welcome back, a man who celebrated a birthday yesterday. Uh, so a new year starts with a new episode of TFTS for Bomb. We bring him back. Happy birthday, Bomb. Welcome back from your travels. How you been? How you feeling? What's the word? Nothing like starting off another year with a total kick in the dick by one of your teams. So, you know, what else is new? It's just life. Life is a lifelong Philly fan. You know, you get welcomed into a, a new era with uh, one of the most crushing defeats uh, we've we've seen in, in some time. Uh, we'll get to the Phillies, um, but we got to start the show as always with the spot in the shade line. And it's, it's not on the Phillies. It's not on... The Eagles. So let's just let's just go to it and knock it out. We're just calling in, checking in on the resident TFTS Notre Dame fan bombs. Uh, these last couple of weeks on the podcast, I've heard a lot of we and us and we. And, well, I don't know, man. Looks like we, you, us, you're done. The domes are done, and you just love to see it year in, year out. There's a few things in college football that make me happier than seeing the Golden Domes lose to Louisville just after just, just escaping Duke the week before. Frauds as usual. Frauds as always. Maybe next year, G. Or excuse me, Bob. G, you're off the hook for now. But when those Knicks lose and that eventual loss, hate to say it, might have to come after you too. But I'm a Penn State fan, so that might be a little bit harder. Have a good one, guys. Great work as always. <laughs> I had to mute myself, cracking up looking at your face while while we're listening back to that that call. But it seems like it was directed at you, so I'll let you have at it first. I mean, everyone acts like the Louisville lot, like they're like they're gonna punk bomb. Like I told you what happened after the the uh, Ohio State loss. I told you Freeman's not the guy. Like. I don't know how else to tell you this. Like they need, I, I want prime. I need prime. I need prime at Notre Dame. I need prime with the NIL. I need prime at ND. I just, that is, that is one of the most horrific losses I've seen. And, and, and we obviously we'll talk about the Phillies in a moment. Speaking of horrific, but you saw it, G. I had a freaking five or 16 parlay, hundred bucks to win. I think it was like 1200 or 1900, something like that. And all I needed was Notre Dame money line. Everything else hit. Everything else hit. All I needed was ND money line. Fucking get throttled. Um, no, I'm with this caller. They're done. They're frauds. Every year it's the same shit. This year they finally have a quarterback. And, like, still, co- coaching holds them back. Just horrific. And I was actually at a party on Sunday talking to folks about college football. Gene, I want to get your opinion on this. I think there's, like, a category of coaches that just like it doesn't matter what what school they were at, what you know who they were coaching, what have you, 
they will never, ever win a national championship, okay? And, like, Marcus Freeman's one of those guys. Like, I've seen enough. Like, I've seen Luke Fickle. Like, God, you know, God forbid anyone talk anything bad about Luke Fickle. Everyone talks about the Wisconsin fit. Like, I've seen who this guy is in a college football playoff game. He will never, it doesn't matter what team he has, he will never get you over the hump. Mario Cristobal pulling the stunt that he pulled and all of his shenanigans <sighs> down at Miami in the black jerseys, handing the ball off so a kid can get a 100-yard game and pop, pops it open and then they get popped for two plays, 75 yards. Like, these are things, in my opinion, that are, like, disqualifying. If, you, if you're an athletic director and you just want to get your, like, eight or nine wins a year, sell your season tickets, like, these guys are great coaches. But they will never win a national championship. It's hard because I think I think it's hard in general to to win a national championship, right? Like the old the old cliche, it's the NFL. It's a hard, hard league to win in, man. Like you, you got to cherish everyone, but there's there's something to be said for that because you see the decisions that are made. And Notre Dame hosts USC Saturday night, and I, I saw a funny tweet. Uh, sh- should be tweet of the week. Should should dig it up, but uh, I think USC ha- had had ten men on the field. Uh, a few times this past weekend in a nail biter against Arizona as three, three touchdown favorites. Uh, so they, they were saying that uh, it should be a good 10 on 10 matchup Saturday night in South Bend between USC and the Irish. Uh, I'm glad you didn't say James Franklin yet. Uh, I, I know you probably have him in that category, but we haven't seen him in the playoff yet. So maybe the, uh, the book is still out on James. He's one of those weird guys where like, I don't know how to. This, I have. I, first of all, I have no faith in James Franklin, but he's like, ju- in my opinion, just above like the Luke Fickles of the world. Like I've seen Luke Fickle do it, and I've seen Luke Fickle like be there and fail in like spectacular fashion, and play like soft cover two, ten yards off the ball with his corners, and then you go to these all, the, all these guys go to the combine, and they're all like top, top three picks, including the fucking quarterback. I mean, there's no balls on that guy. So like. James Franklin, on the other hand, like, I just get the sense that he might just out-recruit his way to, like, getting to a natty or maybe winning a natty. Like, maybe a team just has a bunch of turnovers. Like, he's got so much talent that, you know, if if someone who's, like, freakishly twitchy makes a big play in a big moment, like, they might be able to overcome CJF's coaching. I don't have that same faith with Cristobal, Fickle, you know, uh, Freeman, you know, take your pick. A lot of these guys, I, I just think they're eight, nine win guys. You know, maybe they'll get you to a New Year's Six. They'll sell the tickets. They'll take the pictures. They'll go to the booster clubs. Yeah, they'll have a little NIL program for all the kids who want a new Dodge Ram pickup truck. The guy out in Utah is the same way, Whitting, Whittingham. He's the same way. He'll get you nine, ten wins. You could go sign a deal with the whole team to get pickup trucks with a fucking Utah logo on the side of the truck. But is he going to win a national championship? No. doesn't matter where he is. I've seen enough. Yeah. I saw, for some reason, I thought the pickup trucks was Nebraska. And that, that program's been uh, in the toilet for quite some time now. But the, the red had me thinking uh, Huskers. But it, it was the Utes. <laughs> and they're struggling to start the year. They, they can't figure out what's going on with Cam Rising. They, they lose to Oregon State. Um, and they, they just float in the top 20. And they get, they get plenty of love. But... To your point, you know they're never going to get over the top. Uh, and, and, and Crystal Ball, that was putrid. Uh, our, our only loss of the week on, on episode 105 picks. Uh, not not that the that the play was 
in a position to win uh, in an outright loss for the U. But 40 seconds left, or under 40 seconds left, under a play clock's worth of time left, Georgia Tech no timeouts. This guy lets his quarterback hand the ball off instead of taking a knee. And he, he had no answer in the presser after the game. Just said, like, oh, sh- should have handed it off. And people argued, like, well, he's been handing it off at the end of every game. And you see, you know, for our listeners that maybe don't watch the U, you see what James Franklin does, getting getting the, the twos and the threes reps and continuing to play the game, maybe toss a couple and, and run the ball till the end. Uh, but the, that's not one-score games. They, they, were, they were holding a field goal at that point. You need to just <laughs> – and the game, so dude, and, and it I, wasn't just that he didn't have an answer. He said, "We we gotta we gotta preach two hands on the ball." What? Two hands on the ball? One knee on the ground. Gotta Jesus. preach one knee on the ground, coach. <laughs> and like it's comments like that where you're like, "I'm sorry." Like it, it just went over his head. He's got no idea. He thinks it's about fundamentals. No, it's because you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you can be an AD or a president of a university. Uh, and see things like that happen, and just kind of let it go go by the wayside. I, I, I get it. It's you, you don't just pull the plug for for one instance like that, but a suspension or you know hand over the head coaching duties to the associate head coach or one of the coordinators for a week. Like there's got to be some sort of uh, disciplinary action for things that are that that putrid. I'll tell you, I you know I've been kind of sitting on this thought for a while but you know how like the Packers have their Fugazi ownership where like the fans are the owners or so they say you know what I mean they have the little stock you know ticket saying they're an owner of the Green Bay Packers like I question these athletic directors I mean I know we sit here and rip the coaches but these are the guys that hire these guys they're like absolute clowns and I think there should be a mechanism for like a fan or like a group of fans kind of like the Packers and air quotes to take ownership of a program. All right. And maybe it's, you know, the 119 out of 121 FBS program that stinks. You know, give me a team that just is absolute dog shit and let's just crowdsource a program the relevance. I'm talking about things like voting on firing a coach because of that game, like that, that decision. Like, let's put it to a vote. Boom. You're fired. You're done. See you later. We're on to the next guy. Like, I think there's got to be a way to take a totally irrelevant program and crowdsource the decision-making because it's better than the guys in charge. Sure. Be fun to see. Could be, could be a reality TV series sponsored by by TFTS, right? No. <laughs> um, but like the the Freeman thing against Ohio State, the 10 guys on the field, that, that those things happen, but the not taking a knee and, and fumbling the ball and we got to preach two hands on the ball, that – that's one of the worst ones I've seen in my life. Um, but but back to the Irish, it it hurts. I'm not an Irish fan. I was an Irish fan uh, against the Buckeyes, and you you look at their schedule. Um, I think I texted you. I said I just don't think this program's cut out to handle um, the the week in week out of an ACC schedule, and, and maybe that's a little bit harsh. Uh, they they played Ohio State. They played at Duke, uh, a team that's in the top 25. They played against Louisville, uh, another team that, that has surged into the top 15 at this point in time, and, and now they got to host USC. So uh, a, a tough stretch, but if you want to be 
uh, the prestigious Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You, you, you got to win some games. You got to perform uh, with that schedule, especially to get into the college football playoff with no opportunity to win a conference championship game. Uh, but yeah, they're they're, they're cooked. Um, but we might. I have a feeling we might be talking about that game Saturday night against the Trojans a little bit later in the show. And as as for the Nits, I don't want to hear that negative energy about the incoming loss, all right? We got UMass this weekend. Nice tune-up. Let's hope for no injuries, and then we'll, we'll get ready to go to Columbus. Um, and and I, I think you listened to the show last week. Um, had to carry the boat without you. We're, we're glad you're back safe and celebrated a birthday and whatnot. And, and I was making a point about um, kind of how they looked like shit against Northwestern for a half. And I don't know if I articulated it correctly, but like the, the, the Georgia thing with the close game against Auburn, like everybody's like, oh, it's an SEC game. Like it's an SEC game. Like this stuff kind of happens and, and they get a pass. And sure, they come out this weekend and – we win the pick, 14 and a half. They blow the doors off a ranked team in Kentucky. Um, but like like a team like Penn State th- doesn't get a pass for stumbling and, and still pulling out a win and a cover uh, in, in a spot like Northwestern. So just curious to get your thoughts. And I think I alluded to it on the show last week too. Like I get Penn State's not Georgia. But like when Georgia or Michigan stumble and still pull out the win, it's like, oh, it was, it was a Big Ten game or it was an SEC game. But then, like some of these these other competitive teams, it's it's like, uh, oh no. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Georgia's kind of in a league of their own. I think when the chips are down and the, their backs against the wall, and they're playing, you know, some dog shit school. I mean, they're playing Trent Dilfer's school, which was like not even a game, but you know, you're thinking it's going to be sixty three nothing. But the thing is, you know, in the biggest moment, in the biggest games, Kirby Smart is going to walk in the locker room and lose his fucking shit on the team, get them all in line, and they're going to, like, walk out of the locker room ready to, like, murder the other team. So, like, that that's that's what I know. That's what I've seen. I don't know if I see that in James Franklin. You know, he locks arms. He likes to lock arms. He comes out. He locks arms. Then he does the whole pushback thing. He's, so, I like, I like a coach who needs a get-back guy, not the coach who acts like a get-back guy. So, I mean, I don't know, gee. I, I just think Northwestern, with all their trials and tribulations at the head coach, that's a team you just got to go out, put them over your knee, and fucking spank them. Just absolutely spank them. I watched a little bit of that game, particularly the first half, and I agree a little, you know, with your analysis. It's like, I don't get why they're not doing more creative stuff with, uh, with Aller. Like, this guy is basically the college version of Josh Allen. Let's do some run stuff. Let's do some rollout stuff. Nothing looks creative. Um, Granted, they pulled away, got the job done, and interested to see the tune-up here against against Mass. And it could just be they're not showing anything before their big game against Ohio State. But, like, what I don't want to see in two weeks are, you know, the trickeration with bringing in the Wildcat, the Will Levis of the world, or, you know, we're going to hand it off on fourth and seven, right, at Chase Young on block. Like, I need to see creativity with your five-star quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. And they they have talked about the backup Pribula Pribula, tough name to say, but uh, they you know when he's gotten in in garbage time, he does a lot of running, and I think there's going to be packages for him, and that's going to be your what we haven't shown, not like route trees or passing concepts with uh, with with Aller. It's going to be all this gadget bullshit. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> so. We've all seen this picture before. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. 
it's a definition of insanity. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we got a few days here, uh, another week to see how that transpires. Um, any any thoughts quickly, just while we're on the topic of college football, uh, Red River, Oklahoma, takes it down, I think a 34-30 or 34-31, uh, late touchdown pass from Gabriel. He did, did a Tebow-ass jump pass to the back of the end zone, and we thought Texas was back, and, and then they Texased. Texas, Texas, and Gabriel became Gabriel. I mean, uh, Gabriel, like, I mean, this guy was floating around like, you know, the angel Gabriel. I mean, it was, like, unbelievable. I told you he doesn't look like the archetype, you know, the uh, the prototypical uh, OUQB while he's getting the job done. I mean, and that tech, that Texas, this is just, this is the most disappointing program, I think, in sports. It's just every year, same bullshit, and it's going to be the same shit in the SEC. It's just the TV package gets bigger, more people watching the games, more of the historic rivalry with A&M. Horns down. I saw a guy. This is the best. Here's I'll give you a bone. I'll give you a mini bone. Guy on Oklahoma. They win the game. You know, the tough guy, Oklahoma. They're both going, you know, Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. They win the game. The thing is, I have a real serious issue with Oklahoma and with uh, Texas A&M because they have an inferior inferiority complex with Texas. So this jabroni who plays for, for OU, did you see this? He went out and got a tattoo after the win. And he got it on his, on his, on his up, you know, not upper thigh, but kind of like mid-thigh area. Did you, did you not see this? I haven't seen it. He got it on his mid thigh area, and he and he had the tattoo artist tattoo the horns down logo. So in effect, the Texas logo. Okay. Now when he's standing, and you're and you're staring at him, and he's looking directly at you, and he's standing, and, and presumably he's wearing the, you know, all the all the college boys today wear the booty shorts. You know, have you noticed that too? The booty shorts. It's like, come on, guys. What, what are we doing? They're getting higher and higher. Higher and higher. So this guy's got the tattoo on the mid thigh. It's horns down. So when you're staring at him, you see the Texas logo upside down. Now let me ask this guy something. So when he's sitting in class and the booty shorts are running up as he's, you know, taking his, uh, I guess today do they have accounting for the football program? Probably not. Any any chemistry? No, no. Probably not. So when he's daydreaming in a fucking basket weaving class and he looks down at his fucking thigh, gee, what do you think he's looking at? He's looking at the fucking Texas logo. Horns up. Horns up. (laughs) (laughs) So even when you think you're owning your opponent and you won the game and we're going to punk him, buddy, you put their logo on your thigh that you're going to stare at for the rest of your life. Yeah, I think you got to you got to go ask cheek horns down. I think that's the play there. If 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 yeah. if it's a play, but, yeah, or maybe maybe like Oklahoma, like maybe maybe you just go with your logo. Like I don't understand. Right. Like it would be like like me putting a Cowboys logo upside down on my leg. Yeah, and I was gonna say like, you hope the guy's a senior. Or it's his his last year, but tattoos are forever, man. He's hopefully it's a shame we don't have a uh, like a tattoo removal laser removal company to plug because that that guy's gonna have to call them in a few years if. If Texas continues to uh, hold hold the high end of that that rivalry, um, but yeah, that was that was an interesting game. I thought Sark was awful, uh, especially late in the game. There, they had, they had a goal to go situation, and they were throwing defensive linemen ninety threes in the backfield. Who, who, by the way, one of their D D linemen got absolutely blown up by an Oklahoma linebacker, and and they went right back to it. Um, so big goal line stand for the Sooners. 
no variety, no creativity out of Sark there in, in a goal to go, two, two yards to go, one yard to go situation. I think that that flipped that game right on its head for Oklahoma to go ahead and take it. So good for the Sooners, uh, but I feel like as we move along in this college football season, you're starting to see some of these teams, Pac-12, Big 12, the conference play starts to wear uh, you know, within – the conference. Not sure if I if I said that well, but we'll see it Saturday, three thirty. I think game of the week we have Oregon at Washington. Two top ten teams, uh, two teams that are getting a lot of hype. Two two frauds. Two frauds. Uh, one of them's going to have to have to catch an L and then try to claw their way back into a uh, a fourteen playoff race, which is a challenge in a conference uh, as we've talked about with a lot of solid teams this year um you can follow the show on x and on instagram at tfts pod uh we kind of buried the lead with with the spot in the shade call and, and and the college football talk but it's that time of year we got everything going on but right back uh to the front seat are the philadelphia phillies sitting here tuesday evening they're tied at 1-1 with the Atlanta Braves coming home for game three Wednesday night at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, was a walk in the park against Miami. I think last week I, I probably gave a little too much respect to the Marlins or maybe not enough respect to this Phillies team that seems to really turn it on in the postseason these last two years. Uh, another walk in the park in game one against Atlanta, and, and it looked like the stroll was going to continue Uh through six plus innings on Monday night. You got Zach Wheeler, no hitter going, uh, four nothing lead, and and it all it all comes apart. And it, it was a kick in the dick. Uh for the first time though, I, I would say it felt like I was kind of watching playoff baseball. The heart rate gets up and, and each pitch really really starts to count in that seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Um, and, and that's that's what you want. That's what you watch for. Um, but just kind of bomb your thoughts, uh, I guess, on the playoffs so far and, and where we're going or where we're not. That is a devastating law, like devastating. I would have rather Zach Wheeler get jumped and not get out of the first inning and they lose the game like 10-2. to two. They pop a home run on the ninth to avoid a shutout. And then everyone's like, all right, at least we're out of Atlanta 1-1. We're coming to Philly. No, 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 no. We had a pitcher who was mowing people down. And, and he gives up a run on a shortstop who, who can't pick a ball. Um, that, that was number one. Comes back out for the following inning. Gets, gets uh, I, I, I think the thing that really kind of bothered me is Rob Thompson always shows a quick hook. And, like, I know everybody on the radio and everybody's saying, like, well, who would you, who would you brought in, Bob? Like, who do you trust more than Zach Wheeler? And I get it because, like, last year in the World Series, like, they go to Alvarado and he gives up the freaking bomb to, 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 the, to the big guy, 44. And it's like, I don't know, man. When Olsen came up and he lined that ball right back through the middle and you saw how on time he was with his swing, his foot was down, his hands were cocked, he unleashed the freaking rubber band and he just lined the ball right back through the box up the middle, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, that doesn't look good. Like, can we get to the pen now? Now he gets Ozuna, 
And then you go to D'Arno and it's like uh, Travis Day or not, and it's like, all right, just put this fucking punk away, and he just just fucking hangs one. It's same with Hoffman. I mean, that slider, that slider that he gave up to Riley backed up. I mean, if you saw it, it, it just it just totally backed up in the middle of the plate. And even Riley was, you know, he, he almost spun off it so much he barely was able to club it out. I mean, if anything, my biggest issue are. Is with the the pitch calling. Like I'm not going to blame the um, you know the manager. I'm not going to blame Harper. Like you know I think at the end of the game he's just trying to be aggressive. But in those moments with where those hitters were in the count, like I was saying in real time, sitting there with my wife who's probably not even paying attention to me calling out what pitch should be coming next. Like I was screaming at the television for a fastball. Like just these guys have not. Like, the, especially that part of the... Like, they have not squared one up. Like, just fucking blow it by them. And yet we're we're backing up sliders in the middle of the plate. Sweepers. They're sweepers now. Two pitches. <laughs> I mean, two pitches are the difference in the game. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think Hoffman's pitch was all that bad. Like, I know it caught the middle of the plate, but I felt like it got down. And you saw Riley, I mean, like you said, golfed it out with, with one hand on the bat as he's coming through it. Uh, so, I mean... I think you just got to tip the cap to Riley in that situation. But, yeah, Wheeler hung one. Um, but I, I'm not ready to pull him after he gives up one hard hit. Um, and I, I thought Saturday, like, I, th- I thought the, the, the trigger pull on Ranger was quick. And it worked out. They had the day off. They said they were playing it like it was a, a game seven or an elimination game. And they they used all Rangers good stuff the first time through the order because they knew what they were going to do that. So that was the plan, and it worked out. But I I was the last thing I was looking for was the hook on on Wheeler after one hit last night. Um, and and who's to say if if it would have worked out? You know if they if they got him out after after one hit, uh, he he's your best guy. Yeah. You, you saw how it went against Houston last year uh, with Alvarez and, and Alvarado. So I'm I'm fine with the with the management there, um, but yeah, he hung the one to Day now, guy who's very familiar with him, and I thought I thought with Hoffman it was just a, a tip your cap situation, um, but Trey Turner man, he he butchers the ball early, they get out of that one, and he he butchered the cutoff, and that really bothered me. I get the I don't know who it was was it Azuna on, on base, one of the fastest guys, seventy three. Acuna, Uzuna, I get them all mixed up. Um, but, you know, 73 bags on the year, right? One of the fastest guys. But, like, Trey's defense was like, oh, I was I was looking for a play at the plate. But, like, he wasn't even at third base as Trey was getting ready to scoop that ball. You got to hit the body in front of it there and just eat it. Um, just not a good play. I, I I had people texting me the cut's got to go to first. The plays at home there there was never a play at home until there the ball a play was botched. He's trying he's trying to keep it. Uh, were there two outs at that moment? But he's trying to keep either the runner out of scoring position or keep uh, keep the double play in order. Forget exactly how many outs the throw was to the right back. And and the thing yeah. that I I do kind of hate how the big leaguers just sky these balls into into the bag like they do it all the time where they where they where they the outfielders will actually throw a ball to land in the dirt. Like, nobody ever hits a cutoff man anymore. Nobody ever throws a ball directly on the bag, I guess because, you know, if you if you sky it into the dirt and it bounces, a guy can react to it. But it looked like it did hit the lip of the 
up of the grass, but it bounced twice. I mean, Turner, you're a shortstop. You got to be able to get that ball. And it just, uh, the way he stabbed at it, the way he stabbed, he could have even given up ground and come back towards third, picked it up on a forehand and looked at third. But instead, he's stabbing at it with his backhand, which he's horrific at. That that bothered me because I thought more than anything that changed the momentum when they get a cheapy like that off of your ace. Ugh. Yeah, there were people. There were people saying the one, one of the check swings. I think it was JT. That like when they called that a strike, it flipped the momentum. If it, it it flipped immediately when Trey botches that ball and he scoots home. And uh, I know it went it went kind of national with the the Marlins broadcast about Jack Fritz, and then people are making montages of of Fritz and the WIP callers and, and the Philly captain and who who really should get the credit for the standing out and, and Turner's uh turnaround. Well I wanna know what do we what do we gotta do to turn him around in the field now? What what do we gotta do um for for Trey Turner on Wednesday night after, you know, he was the cog that that play was the cog that ignited the switch, ignited the flame for the Braves and, and that offense. Um, but you got to give him flowers for, for the playing game one, the double play, the stab and the flip. Uh, but yeah, I, I just thought it, it was a lazy play. It, it wasn't a good play. Uh, and, and he said he thought there was a play at the plate, fast guy coming, coming around third, but there was no play at the plate until that ball was muffed. Got to get the body in front of it, man. Yeah. And these the people that will apologize for that play by pointing to game one, like in the play the play that he made. I mean, they're the most pathetic people on the planet because we sat here and we watched over 10 years, over a decade of, of Jimmy Rollins, okay? And, and J-Roll makes that play in game one, and he makes the play in game two. For, uh, hell, the guy who followed Rollins, Freddie Galvis, makes both of those plays. Ooh. Okay, so don't don't give me, oh, well, he made the play in game one. He didn't make the It was a tough play. No, no, no. You got to make the play. I mean, a high school kid would have made that play. Gold Glove Galvis. For, say what you say what you want about the guy. He couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper bag, but that guy could pick it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess you kind of already noted, but Harper can't go past second on, on that fly ball. I, I get you want to score. I get you want to tie the game. And, and maybe if it gets down, it's it's not a, it's not a great hop or the guy's right there to, to scoop it on the back up and, and get it in. And you don't score unless you're halfway to third. Um kind of inexcusable and everybody's talked about dusty Wathan and blowing the stop sign and that's harper he's aggressive you got got to live and die with it um i i don't put put that game on him by any means but it's pretty boneheaded decision yeah I'm, i don't think my take on this is a little bit more nuanced than most i think the right play there is to you don't want to come to a full stop because then you have to get going, right? So if if you if your momentum is going towards second, like you almost want to kind of like be in a light jog towards towards second base, picking up steam to where the moment the guy either catches it or drops it, you have the ability to touch second base on your way to third. Like to me, that that's that's how you that's how you run run the bases there. But to be in a full Tilt, dead sprint, a third of the way to third base. I mean, I, I get that the catch probability was low. I think off the bat, based on that exit velo and where the ball was hit, they said that they, 
the average, the bait, the batting average on a ball hit where it was hit with that exit velo on the year was like six ten. So it's a fifth. It's a better than fifty fifty chance. Like I, I get it. That's not why you lose the game. There's people freaking out about it. Like, what was he doing? That's why. They, that's not why they lost. Like he's. It's a fifty fifty play, and he's betting that if the guy doesn't make it, and actually the analytics for that play are probably in his favor, saying you you want to run like that. I personally. I'm not a fast guy. I hang around the base, probably score anyway with a bit. Like, unless the guy immediately picks it up. Like, you know, he goes up, he's off the wall, it's going to hit off his arm, it's going to bounce this way. Like, and even if, you, if you're stopped at third, what's the big deal? You got second and third. They're probably going to walk Marsh. Who are they going to pitch to? Johan? Rojas? You got to trust the guy behind you. I mean, I get it. And, I, and the thing that's disappointing is, like, lost in all of this is that Nick Castellanos almost just went fucking big fly that went to go up. Dude, I thought it was gone. I thought it was gone. That was so, that, dude. That was one of the craziest like baseball sequences I've ever watched because you see the ball off the bat, the the, the pitcher. I think it's Iglesias, right? And he's he's pumping gas. Nick gets a good barrel on it, and, and you see the guy sprinting back to the wall. He's not lollygagging, so you know it's got a shot. Um, and and then he ca- makes the catch. Great catch. I mean, credit credit to uh, I think it's Harris. Credit to him, and but then the throw comes in, and it's going through like two guys on the cut, and the third fucking guy gets it, and Harper still doesn't get back. Yeah, so it's just so bad. You, you you think he's got the analytics, like the the notes on the oven mitt that they wear running around the bases? Well, if you notice, he he got thrown out a lot. He's people will call it bad base running, but he got thrown out a lot this year trying to stretch singles into doubles, and I forget exactly what the what the numbers say but if bomb like if i ever coached a little league team like let's let's just go real deep here g if i if bomb ever coached a little league team that was you know competing to go to williamsport we'd get fucking we'd have stopwatches on every fucking outfielder from curacao and venezuela and we'd be doing the math on how long it takes every fucking kid to get down to first base on a ball hit to the outfield and then how long it takes them to turn from first to second and I believe the math is such that if, if depending upon how many outs there are, if you have a better than 50% chance of advancing to the next base, that actually you, you should, in fact, take that, take, try to take the extra bag. So in this instance, Harper's trying to take the extra bag in the form of home plate. The, the batting average on a ball hit like that is 6.10. I think the math works out in his favor. The problem is... Those plays over the course of a season tell you you need to take those chances because over the course of 162 games, the analytics are such that the math works out better in your favor. The run probability is higher. The problem is in a fucking five-game series, one that doesn't go go your way fucks you. Breaks your balls. Yep. It was a ball-breaking, ball-breaking loss, but... I think they've been fine. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect, right? With with a few games between the clinch and game one against Miami, but I feel like the the bats have been pretty good. It hasn't been timely, right? They they left the bags juiced. I think in game one against Miami, they left the bags juiced in the first inning last night. So while while the offense has been been solid, uh, need a little bit more timely hitting with with guys on base, uh, and, and the defense has has been really good in, until last night in the arms. So. Uh, really interested to see Aaron Nola on the bump tomorrow night. Uh, I know he's he's a hot uh, topic of conversation in this town. 
I think he's due for a contract after this season. So he delivered in game two against Miami. I think this this is a different beast. Um, but if he, if he wants to silence the critics, myself included, uh, no better time to do it than Wednesday night. I totally agree. I, you know, the positive, I guess the positive out of this whole thing is they got the split and they were in this scenario last year. Like I thought Wheeler pitched a good game last year and Hoskins butchered a couple plays and they lost that game. They should have won that game. And they come home and just took care of business. But I don't know, man. I You know, a lot of people want to point to that last game against the Marlins as Aaron Nola being back. And I saw a guy who was getting strike calls at the bottom of the knee. I saw a guy who was getting pitches on the outer half of the plate that were a ball and a half off the plate. So I, I think tomorrow is going to hinge on can the Braves get him in the zone? And if they can't get him in the zone, what what kind of zone is the umpire giving Nola? Because if 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 it's tight and it's true, and they're not chasing out of the zone, this this could be pretty ugly pretty quickly. In my in my opinion, no, I I agree. It's easy. They're going to be the hero, or or he's going to get, he's going to get lit the fuck up because he did he did get the low the low pitches in that Miami game, and you've seen Nola when he's got a got to fight fight for that bottom half and, and then things get hung and and the fastball gets elevated it it can, it can get really ugly um but we'll, we'll wish him the best man I, I i don't i don't know how to feel because you watch these first three games three and a half games and they're cruising and the vibes are great and it it, it is a fun team it's a it's a tight-knit team you can tell um but like just like the world series last year it can go south so fast and then it's just over so you hope that isn't the case um, with with this Brave series, but man, they're they're a juggernaut, and uh, they woke up on Monday night. So, and that's why I, I always I don't know I always, how to feel. I always crack up. Like it's a it is a devastating loss, but like I think having the off day and the travel day today is so so great. Like imagine they had to play tonight after that loss. I just think baseball in the playoffs, it's such a game to game like sport and it comes down to who you're who, who's on the mound and if Nola can deal tomorrow they got as good a shot as any but for people to think they're just going to sweep out like the 100 plus win Atlanta Braves who've been compared to like murderers row I think you're fooling yourself I, I, I don't know I think people thought last year when they clubbed the Astros in game three after they got the sweep that the the series was over like you're not gonna. You're not just gonna waltz to a championship. You're, you're gonna get punched in the mouth a few times, and if you're good enough, you're gonna be able to punch back. Yeah, these are good teams. These are good teams that in the Braves and, and the Astros, teams that have won the championship in, in recent years and and have that pedigree. So they're they're not gonna go down without a fight. But quick quick bone. I didn't really have a bone to bring, uh, but I think it was out when Alvarado was in last night. And he struck out Pilar or Pillar, whoever the fuck that guy is. Uh, he, he threw gas right down the right down the pipe, and, and the entire Braves dugout is going off at the umpire. And you can see that little rat Spencer Strider mouth and fuck you to the umpire. I mean, that ball was right down the gut, right down broad, goes down looking. Um, a, a lot of their guys were going down looking with two strikes last night, and some some were painted. Uh, and, and close calls, but that one was not close at all, and that was the one that that they had the most took the most issue with. And, and that little rat Strider is is yelling "fuck you" 
He's uh, a punk, he, isn't he? When he can't deliver a, a quality start against the Phillies in the playoffs, just such a disgrace, that little rat. He looks like a fucking rat. I thought I thought the home plate on play last, last night was pretty good. And, you know, I, I, I thought the base umpires, the guy at first was horrific with the check calls. I thought there were two that went that – went, that went the wrong way against the Phillies, but I actually thought last night's zone, both teams, I thought was it was pretty fair. It was it was pretty well within the box. I thought I thought it was a good zone. Yeah, agreed. And I, I thought I think the check swing stuff is, you know, every guy is a different line, right? Whether it's the plate or whatever you think. So that's always going to be subjective. And we were on the wrong side of that last night. Do you want to uh, do you want to give a, a prediction for the remainder of the series? Oh man, um, must win tomorrow. I mean, that's that's captain obvious, but can't can't lose tomorrow. I it's gonna sound crazy. I think the Phillies win in five. I think <laughs> I I actually I actually think they they lose game three. Like I I actually think Nola gets absolutely shell shocked, bombed crushed home runs and then and then they find a way to win a game in game four and then I think this crazy team goes on the road and rips the gut the guts out of those heartless scumbag Atlanta fans who then will throw trash on the field that's that's yeah. that's what I think is going to happen yeah we fa- we failed to mention the the trash throwing incident that's 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 typically a Philly thing, but glad it glad it was on uh, on national TV with for Atlanta in, in their first playoff game of the year, starting with that bullshit and and that they, they had no juice, no juice from that fan base until they they started scoring some runs. Uh, you think they would encourage their team and cheer them on, uh, even in the the high leverage situations when they're down or when the game's tied? But now they got they got to get something going. Uh, for for that for that place to get riled up, yeah, that was a disgrace. But I, I I like the pick. I don't feel good about tomorrow, game three. Whenever folks are listening, I don't I don't feel good about Nolan in this spot. Uh, I know I said the same thing about against Miami. I just think it's different. And we talked about the strike zone, but I think they could bounce back uh, w- with Ranger in a bullpen game and and, and Zach. So I'll, I'll go Phillies in five with you as well. Um. But yeah, and, and and then the not feeling good about tomorrow is is totally separate from like the fact of how they lost the game, uh, game two last night. Like I, I don't th- the day off the travel. I don't think it's a ton of carryover. There's pl- going to be plenty of juice at CBP. Um, I just I think uh, Nola, man, I, I I don't trust this guy, and it's 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 not a matter of how they lost and how bad it hurt on on Monday night. Agreed, G. I got to, uh, if we're moving on from baseball, I do have to give a shout out. Shout it out. Got to give a shout out to South Jersey's own Zach Gallen last night for absolutely fucking shoving against the Dodgers. Uh, little known fact, your boy Bum was actually summer teammates with Zach Gallen back in the day. And you'll, you'll look at it and you'll go, whoa, 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 Bum, Bum, these ages don't match up. These ages don't match up. Well, I played for a, uh, a summer team. In college, it was sponsored by Pat Stakes. Your boy Bomb, you know, loved it. It was great. We had red jerseys, phenomenal. And Zach's older brother was a good ball player. He was on our team. And then Zach would show up as like a 15 year, 15 or 16 year old. Your boy Bomb would be behind the dish. And my man would just shove in fucking braces to like college kids. Wow. <laughs> Literally just nasty. And, uh, 
went on to UNC. He's out there doing his thing in Arizona with another local guy and Christian Walker from Kennedy Kenrick. And it's just it's just great to see this area and, and a lot of a lot of the guys from this area getting the love. And you know, I know everybody hypes up the trout talk and this, that, and the other thing, but there's a lot of good baseball in this area. And the thing that I like about players from this area is they have like a very old school mentality to them. Um, and Pedro even called it out. He said something about Gallon pregame last night. He's like, this guy, he's like, there's a lot of guys that in today's game that throw. He's like, this guy fucking pitches. And uh, I remember thinking that when he was, you know, a young kid pitching in high school against college guys. Like he really, he sets hitters up and give him a lot of credit. Haven't, haven't, obviously haven't spoken to him since then. And he had a, he had a great career at UNC doing big things in the big leagues. He wouldn't, wouldn't I, don't, I don't think, uh, wouldn't be dialing into TFTS per se, but have to give a shout out to to the South Jersey boys. He he doesn't know that you're you're a top tier podcaster now and, and sport sport. Uh, not yet, not yet. Sports analyst. Not yet. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, that's that's how our audience knows that they're getting getting top tier MLB analysis uh, from Bomb. But yeah, that 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 tri state Northeast uh, region blue collar. That, that's what they got out there in Arizona with Gallant. So we'll see if they can take down and finish off uh, America's West Coast team in the L.A. Dodgers. Um, wherever you're listening, Spotify, hit the follow button, leave a five-star rating. Apple Podcasts, hit the subscribe button, uh, leave a five-star rating. You can write a review on Apple. Uh, if you're so inclined, we could share it or respond on the show uh, if it's some sort of commentary but let's let's go to the pigskin back to the pigskin the the professional form the NFL the Philadelphia Eagles are 5 and 0 after a 23 to 14 win over the Los Angeles Rams uh on Sunday afternoon out at SoFi Stadium and I just got to say man like I kind of forgot how much I can't stand Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay uh so it it was a tr- <laughs> it was it was such a treat to see the Eagles uh, shut down that offense in the second half and, and start getting a piece of Matthew Stafford because he is he's a great quarterback, but uh, once he feels a little bit of heat, he he can get rattled, and uh, I think we saw that Sunday afternoon. But uh, I thought it was a great performance from Jalen Hurts and a pr- pretty solid performance on defense, like I said, in the second half with, with some patchwork in the secondary and Roby coming into the nickel and doing a nice job. Uh, but just any thoughts on the birds as they continue to cruise? It's just, I mean, it's just unbelievable. You know, you watch, you flip on these games and you, you're expecting a letdown in, you know, in, in, in one of these games and they do, they just find a way to win. And it's a different, different way every game. And you could tell the team is starting to gel and play, you know, play better within, within the game plan, et cetera. And. Man, I, th- I think the biggest takeaway, in my opinion, I mean, everyone talks about, I sent you the stat, everyone talks about the, the Jalen stat of winning 22 of the last 23, or whatever it is. The Philadelphia Eagles are 25-3 and three since Nick Sirianni's roots speech. You know, the, the roots and the, you know, got to trust that the seed's going to sprout and the whole thing. And it, it's unbelievable. And I, I give Sirianni a lot of credit. I know sometimes we clown him and we, we get on him with the decision-making and the Nick-ass and this, that, and the other. But the fact that he just said, fuck it, we're just going to shove it into the end zone on the last play of the first half tells you so good. all you need to know about this team, this coaching staff. This team is so good. 
Just wake me up when it's the NFC Championship game. That was the best drive of the year. Uh, I think they're down at that point. And uh, 32 seconds, two timeouts, and 75 yards to go. And they get it down there and bro show or tush push. I'm going bro show. I, I hope I, I don't know if people will, will buy that, um, but shortening up the brotherly shove, I'm going bro show. But I like that. That to, that to end the half, dude, w- was so good. And I can't imagine how much it demoralized the Rams. Like they, they played such a great half. They they kept us in check. They they fed Cooper Cup back back in his first game off of injury, looking good. And uh not not against us. Not I would say not in our house, but it was at their house. But it did feel like the Eagles' house. L.A. They they never have a home home field advantage, and the Eagles fans were out in full force. Uh, but just unbelievable drive to to end that half and to carry the momentum into the second half and, and win that ball game. But yeah, you're seeing a lot more continuity and flow on offense. Uh, I think between the Washington game. And even from like the the start of the Tampa game, Jalen Hurts starting to look like a different guy, really coming into his own, uh, kind of the Jalen we saw last year. Uh, so really happy with his progress because I was a little concerned, you know, week one, week two, and I think the one of the runs, dude, that he had in that game on Sunday, like even his running, he's starting to look like himself again because I thought he looked a little little skittish the first couple weeks, but just all around, he's coming along the offense getting Goddard involved. I know Smitty, maybe he wasn't too happy on Sunday and there were altercations with Kelsey and, and Nick S. Um, but, but on the field playing the game, uh, this team, like you said, is, is starting to gel. Uh, and they're just, they're just patching it up defensively, you know, bring this guy off the street, do a job um, and, and figure out who the, the best man is uh, for this tough stretch after the bye and, and into the playoffs. Uh, so nothing but uh, but encouragement for the Eagles. It's it's tough to come on here and critique. I know we did it the first couple weeks. I know I talked about it last week, but um, they just they they just win, and you, you you can't argue with that. No, no, you can't. It's it's an exciting brand of football. It it def dude, it definitely has been. It, it that that Rams game, and again, like with. It felt like it with with the Phillies last night, even though they lose, and, and the Eagles getting into the heart of the season here. Like that felt like a football game, you know. The first couple of weeks it felt like scrimmage or preseason and a lot of kinks, but we're just playing ball now uh, and, and letting our best guys eat. Did you make anything of any of the altercations? I know Kelsey said after the game he's not happy with the red zone offense, uh, and, and he was giving it to to Nick, and I, I think it was Stoutland too a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think there's reason to be not concerned. It's probably too strong of a word, but it, feel, it feels like um, there's a lot of not altercations on the sideline, but consternation maybe would be the right word. We saw it with AJ. We kind of saw Smitty looking a little dejected, and then obviously Kelsey's going off to Sirianni, who looks like he was like agreeing with him, by the way. Um, and then he's kind of like shoving up or like doing some sort of blocking thing on Statland. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, these guys are all so good. They're all talented players. I do think there is something to that red zone thing where like teams are taking, for the most part, taking away the Eagles' big playability. So they're kind of just like rushing the ball down the field. In my opinion, I think they need to stop kind of like getting into the this is going to sound crazy, but I, I think they need to start taking more shots when they get into that, like, Andy Reid zone of, like, plus 40, plus 35. Like, 
stop fucking around with the red zone. Like, let's start taking the lid off the top of the defense when we get into a scoring opportunity instead of like pounding it down to the seven or the eight. And now we're staring at, you know, a fucking picket defense and we can't run it. And I don't know. I, I think there's something to being able to kind of just like, why are we even in the red zone? Let's, let's take a shot over the top. Yeah. It's never perfect. Um, yeah, this the Smitty thing's interesting. I I know the AJ thing happened, and, and Goddard got more involved. And well, I don't think Goddard really ever got got too upset or, or demonstrative in in this early season. But like, I feel like last year those guys were all like, "Yeah, like this is the nature of our offense. We got so many guys, and it's, it's going to be our week one week, and somebody else is the next." But I feel like everybody's getting a little hot early this year, um, and I, I don't know that it's like cause for concern. Like you said, probably too harsh, um, but it, it's just a little bit odd. And I, I gotta, I gotta, I do gotta give a quick flower. It's not a full flower, but I know I got on BJ uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, that 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 was a little aggressive. He's he's coming along nicely uh, as this offense progresses. So, quick flower for Brian Johnson, offensive coordinator. I think part of the issue why these guys are a little more frustrated is because it seems like the offense for the first few weeks has returned to like the 2021 offense instead of the 22 offense. It's almost like last year they could trust that the next game is going to be the game they pop off for 150 and two tutties when in in reality, like it's, it's the DeAndre Swift show. I mean, imagine where this team would be had they not picked up DeAndre Swift. Uh, I don't know that they're five and oh. No, 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 no. Miles going lateral and uh, putting a couple on the turf. How about the people wanting to give him twenty five million to stick around and watch that bullshit? Yeah, so bad. Uh, the other the other takeaway I had, and, and I, I it was out running errands uh, over lunch today, and I heard Ross Tucker on, on WIP. You know, when I, the only time I listen to sports talk radio is when I have a short short trip. I don't plug the phone in and get the, get the Spotify going. Uh, but Ross Tucker said Aaron Donald has played five games in his career against the Eagles, zero sacks. He was invisible on Sunday, and Jalen Carter is in the backfield uh, wreaking havoc uh, again and again, week after week. Um, it's I know we, we continue to talk about it, but it's just un- unbelievable in a matchup with Aaron Donald – who who stood out? It was clearly Jalen Carter. No, thank thanks for bringing that up because I, I actually wanted to bring that up. Like the Eagles just have a history of like going on the road and beating the shit out of the Los Angeles Rams. Like even when Foles was here, it's just what they do. They just go west and beat beat the living shit out of McFraud and and uh, 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 Fraud Donald. You know, I I watch a lot of football and I know I watch a lot of you know even non Eagles games, college games, and. I'll be honest. I mean, for the amount of love that this guy fucking Aaron Donald gets, I think he fucking sucks. And and I know that's the bias of like being an Eagles fan and like what he's done against us. But in my opinion, like Hall of Fame players are players where like when you go against the best, they take their game to the next level. And this guy consistently gets shut down by our, our offensive line. And, and I get we're doing things up front and, doubling and this and that but at the end of the day I'm, I'm expe- I mean when you play against Jerry White Rice you're expecting that every other game you play against him you're going to give up 100 150 two touchdowns when you play against Reggie White he's going to get a sack two sacks blah 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 blah. you know what I mean it's like we've played this guy now six times 
and he's done fucking nothing. Yeah, I think I, I do think he's a, a little bit overhyped, and I think he got his. Um, I don't, I don't want to call it claim to fame, but his uh, validation, so to speak, maybe like with the Super Bowl. I think he made made a couple of big plays in that Super Bowl against Cincinnati, who you know in this borough has had one of the worst offensive lines. Um, but yeah, every time he gets against us and, and one of the best O lines, it's he's he's invisible. And they they put him out on the edge against Lane. And I, I was at my folks' house watching the game with my dad. And uh, I think Greg Olson was the color guy with Burkhart on Sunday. And Greg Olson's like, yeah, that, look what they're doing with Donald. They're putting him out on, on the edge. And here he is on Lane Johnson. And my dad's like, yeah, that's that's just not going to happen. Like that's not going to work. And, and, and it didn't. So. Uh, it, it's it's just great to watch and watch us shut him down with our offensive line. And then now we have this kid on the other side who's a, who's a freaking rookie uh, and, and he stands out way more. And it's funny, like, like I, I think because of the Super Bowl, it's kind of like the crown jewel of his career and they can point to that. And like the division looks pretty good now, but for most of his career, that division's kind of been ass, right? So think about like Legion of Boom Seahawks. They're, they're at the end of that run. That team takes a step back. Aaron Donald's playing against that team. The fucking 49ers, after Harbaugh leaves, fucking stunk, right? The Cardinals have stunk forever. So this guy's feasting, you know, on these bullshit teams for most of his career. And I'm just supposed to, oh, he's a Hall of Famer. He's all, oh, he's all, oh, he's a, he's a game breaker. You ever hear the term, he's a game breaker? Not against the Eagles, he ain't. No. Yeah, well, I feel like one playoff run is his, uh, his, his stamp. Um, yeah, Eagles go to MetLife to play Zach Wilson and the Jets uh, late Saturday afternoon, another 425. We're we squeezing in some golf. I, I got the tee time. Are we in? I'm in. I'm in. And I do have to apologize to the audience. I, I had this game as a, as, as a loss in the preseason. I had this as the Eagles' first loss, obviously. Aaron Rodgers was the expected quarterback. Let's keep it rolling, baby. Come on, man. I think they're laying seven at the moment. I might have to burn the birds and Survivor this week. Uh, we're, we're, we're hanging on. But uh, you talked about the NFC West a little bit. Just Any any thoughts on that Sunday night game quickly uh, with, with San Francisco just absolutely dismantling Dallas? I mean, I think, I think it's a case of, like, Dallas maybe being a little bit worse than people expect. But, like, this is, this is what Shanahan does. He'll have his big moment. He'll have his trick play. He'll have... You know, you always you always hear that this is this is the the Shanahan stroke fest. He's got a guy in space that's in conflict, and he, and it, it's never in the playoff game. It's always like week five, week ten, week seven. So I mean, I, I think Dallas is maybe a little bit worse than people expected. I don't think they're as bad as they looked on Sunday night. I certainly don't think that. I think they're a contender. I think they're maybe the third or fourth best team in the NFC. San Francisco obviously looks good. Purdy looks better than I thought he would look coming off the injury. I give him credit, but come on. I mean, we're talking about this like it's a fucking Super Bowl in week five. They won a game at home, nationally televised. I mean, what, what, congrats, I guess. I mean, come into Philly. I, that's what I'm waiting for. I want exactly. Bosa. I want Bosa's stupid family. I want them all showing up, drinking those Trulies and White Claws out in the K-Lot again. His dumb brother. Can his dumb brother get a week off to come watch the game? 
I mean, I would I would guarantee he'll be off in in January uh, if it comes down to <laughs> if we if we play the Forty ers in the playoffs again. I don't, I don't think the bro will will be playing in the AFC. Uh, but <laughs> some tea. I think uh, I think there's a, a a Philadelphia girl that dates uh, Nick Bosa. Really? Yeah, that's that that's that's some of the scoop I've heard. Uh, I, I know we we've we've uh, dove in or dived in on on, on T Swift and Kelsey, but. Uh, that that's that's my uh, hot hot scoop uh, this 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 week. What's that connection? Couldn't tell you. I I, I don't know. Well, maybe maybe we'll bring on a, a special guest to 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 talk about this on Forty ers Week or something. I, I I'm re- I'm prepared to say this is going to sound crazy, but like I'm prepared to give her a pass if the relationship was in existence before the NFC Championship game last year. But if that relationship began after the NFC Championship game last year, like in my opinion, tar and feathering at City unacceptable, Hall. unacceptable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, I kind of agree with with your take on like Dallas, but like so, I follow a lot of like the sharps and listen, try to gather as much information and betting. And these people just love Dallas. They love Dallas, and they just. They show out and get their clock cleaned in every, every big spot. I mean, if you watch that game Sunday night, Sam Fran knew what they were doing on both sides of the ball all, all night long, and it, it was never much of a contest. Um, I, I know they got it to within 21-10 after the half and, and stuff like that, but it, it was domination from Sam Fran. So credit to them, credit to Purdy. Um, but, again, Shanahan and company getting crowned in, in October, uh, good, good for them. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think it's December 3rd. We'll see at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, you you want to win that game. You want to grab the one seed. We'll, we'll take it a little bit more seriously. Um, but when, when it's fun and games in October for San Fran, I, I don't give a shit. I might show up to that game in fatigues like Jerome Brown and the Miami Hurricanes getting off the plane to be, to play uh, Penn State in the Orange Bowl. Like that's <laughs> that's how I feel going into that game. Yeah, great great stretch of ball coming up uh, November, December for the Birds, but we'll have to take care of the Jets uh, and some other business before we get there. Uh, I don't think I have anything else. I think we just got to get to the picks. I think we just got to get to the picks. If that's all right with you, you ready to go? Yeah, you want me to give you a college pick? Let me start because I'm going to Thursday night. But first, let's update. Let's update the records um, and shout out to the God or graphic guy. God has been, has been doing the graphics for me on these after episode one Oh five, the podcast went three and one. We gave out bombs picks, even though he was absent last week, he gave us a winner with the Jacksonville Jags. He gave us a loser with the Miami hurricanes. Uh, I went two and Oh, gave you the Georgia Bulldogs who blew out Kentucky. And I gave you the Steelers. Man, that was ugly, but they pulled it out in an outright win over the Ravens. Uh, so that puts me at eight and three on the year, four and two in college, four and one NFL. Bomb, you're at seven and four, four and two college, three and two NFL. Uh, I don't know why people aren't listening, or I hope people are listening. I hope people are following because, as a collective, fifteen and seven on the year. I don't know what the percentage is, but I think it's pretty damn good. Uh, I will start. I teased it Thursday night, and I'm going to the NFL. Uh, I I bet this game, I bet both these games already that I'm going to give out. And I know it's not pretty. I know it's not sexy. I know 
nobody will take this pick. I, I challenge people to find it in your nutsack to take this pick. Uh, Denver at Kansas City Thursday night. Broncos plus ten and a half. Uh, I, I have no no logic, no reason. Just close your eyes and and press send. Uh, ten and a half points. Divisional game, short week. Travis Kelsey's banged up. Uh, I feel like Casey in these prime time spots. They kind of go under. Uh, they 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 let teams linger. I haven't been impressed with Kansas City's offense this year. I've been more impressed with their defense, honestly, than their than their offense this year. Uh, but it, it, it's a lot of points. It's a short week. You never know what can happen. Give me Denver plus ten and a half. Wow. I mean, you know everybody's going to fade them. They just lost to the Jets. Uh, they're in shambles. They have the worst defense in the NFL. Uh, give me the points. I don't hate it, Jay. Where are you headed? You want me to go college or you want me to go, go, go pro? Go college. We'll keep it chronological. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a different take this week. I tried to get I tried to get cute with Miami last week wearing the blackout jerseys, and little did I know Mario Cristobal was uh, being Mario Cristobal there. So let's get back to fundamentals in college. Your boy Bomb, I think I had a great start on the year, giving out Rutgers, giving out some of the you know Army and big moments, big moments. Let's talk, G, about the skies. Okay. Not disguise. The sky? The skies. Okay. A partial solar... Have you noticed? Have you heard? Did you read this stuff? Do you know what's going on Saturday? No, I guess it sounds like an eclipse or something. A partial solar eclipse is crossing like the western part of the, of the, the country and like sweeping down across Texas. Okay. Uh, based on what I've read... The moon will be further from the Earth, so when this eclipse occurs, it's going to make the sun look like a ring of fire around the moon, okay? There are maybe a half dozen games where the eclipse will be visible during the game, okay? So, so there's an impact here, all right? You got these, these, these noon kickoff games, you got, you know, we're moving from sun to dark, Back to sun, the lights going on, everyone staring up, maybe someone getting blinded. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here, G. And the game with the biggest impact, all right? The magnitude of the eclipse will be largest in Denton, Texas, where your hometown Temple Owls (laughs) are playing North Texas, okay? And a lot of people are gonna say, "Bob, what does that mean?" I mean, do you do you do you do you take the owls? They're they're in the sky. They they got the eclipse. The whole thing. I told you, I don't believe in Temple at all. Here's what I do believe: they stink. Okay, Tech, North Texas and Temple. The total is seventy. The eclipse magnitude is gonna be eighty six percent. I think between. The light to the dark to the lights in the stadium to the back to the lights in the the day and the receivers. I mean, are these guys going to wear the visors, the dark visors? I mean, there's a lot of things going on. That's a lot of points. I'm taking the fucking under. Wow. Our first total selection of the year. Can you give us a number for the total? It's 70. 70. That's on me. I missed that. I mean, 70. 70 in an eclipse. That's a lot of points. Wow. 
That's some next level analysis, man. You you come on this show and you tell me, oh, Bob, Bob, you got bones this week, you got flowers this week, you got your picks ready. No, I got nothing. Just hit record. And then you give me that. that that's that's great work. Only here. Only here. Uh, so under 70 in North Texas and, and Temple. Uh, I always see who Temple's playing and what the line is because – I feel like that they're they're usually a good fade opportunity, but you're going to the total. You're going to the total, uh, and I I didn't mention about the the Broncos pick either. I don't love the the NFL slate this week at all. It's uh it, it's both both NFL and college are getting more challenging. Books are getting sharper uh, as as the season goes on, and we get more information on these teams. Uh, but we we opened the show with Notre Dame. We're going to close the show with Notre Dame Saturday night. USC at Notre Dame, and the, when I when I make these picks, it's early in the week. I'm I'm out on my own. There's not a lot of info out yet, and I look at these lines and what stands out. Notre Dame minus two and a half. They're a favorite against Big Bad Caleb Williams, the Heisman winner, and Lincoln Riley, one of the greatest offensive minds in football. Oh my gosh! Hammer the Trojans! No. Fight on. No. Here come the Irish, baby. Minus two and a half. I know it's been ugly. Freeman's been shit. Lincoln Riley's putting 10 guys on the field. This USC defense couldn't stop a nosebleed, okay? And Notre Dame, love them, hate them. They got a quarterback. They got a running game to keep Caleb Williams off of the field and chew that clock up. They have a defense that can probably do enough against the Trojans. I know they've lost the games. People are counting them out. Their season's over. Their playoff hopes are dashed. Notre Dame minus two and a half Saturday night. I act, I actually love it. I I love it, and I bet I already bet that too. So Notre Dame minus two and a half over USC. The Pac-12 will continue to fade. I love it, G. I love it. It's a great pick. I like the pick. I mean, I Come think on, Notre man. Dame gets blown out, but I mean, I think it's a great pick. <laughs> They very well could. They very well could. They don't. I mean, they don't have a lot to play for other than pride right now. But you know, a lot, a lot of pride in South Bend. One, of, one of the greatest rivalries in college football historically. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so. it's a good game. Give, give me the NFL pick, bomb. Come on now. You hit me with the Jags in London early in the morning. I was drinking coffee, watching Trevor Lawrence trying to give that game away. They got it done. Give me another one. That was so, that was so easy. I mean, when I heard that the Jags were staying over in England and the fucking Bills were flying over, the, like you know, a couple of days before, it was easy money, easy money. Like I said, you can't. Gee, you might not be able to beat the body clock, and you sure as hell can't beat the astronomical, astrological clock. Okay, that's why we look to the skies, we look to the time zones, we look to the eclipses. So, what am I going to give you here? Day after an eclipse? Is there? Is there? Do we look to the skies? No, no, no. You look in your heart. That's where you look, G. You look in your heart, and you look into the the heart of a head coach. And I look at a head coach, and I see a team. I'm talking about a team that's the only only winless team in the NFL, okay? And here's what he had to say. It's none other than your boy, Frank Reich. And he's talking about Panthers ownership, David Tepper. He's a hedge fund guy. He's a Wall Street guy. Tepper, he came in. He owned the. He bought the Panthers out from Jerry Richardson after some questionable comments by Richardson and behavior, etc. 
So Tepper's in. This guy's a you know he's a he's a he's a money guy, all right. And here's what Frank had to say. Talk to him every week, multiple times. Usually either Monday or Tuesday after a game, and he's super competitive. Wants to bring a winner to the Carolinas. He wants it now. Wants it now. And pushes me and pushes us to that end. He wants to do whatever it takes and turn over every stone. Turn it as much as he has to to produce winning football. So I appreciate those conversations. They're always very challenging. He's super. He's a super competitive person. He's not going to sit idly by. This sounds like a guy who's had unbelievable success in the business world, realizing that his head coach doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, okay? I like David Tepper. He's going to figure it out with Frank Reich. He's going to realize Reich's a loser, Young's a loser. So I'm going to fade him. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins. Lane 13, only 13. You got the most prolific offense in the world against little baby Bryce and dumb, dumb Frank Reich. 13 and a half points. Hammer him. Miami big. I, dude, I thought you were ready to tell me that the Panthers are going to write this shit. No fucking way. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's funny because I saw that that quote or the video from Frank Reich. I watched it earlier today. And the... The tweet, like the tweet before, was about the the owner Tepper, and how he said Bryce Young is like a point guard and he's like a distributor. So we don't need to, uh, you know, allocate resources at wide receiver, running back. We we can spend it on the defense. Uh, I've I've never seen somebody more out of touch. <laughs> he he should get back on Wall Street. It sounds like that's so good yeah point guard I, I i mean if if bryce is a point guard what's frank is frank like a field general like that like this guy i mean there, there's talk that like a lot of the carolina panther fans are like wait i thought i thought this guy was like a quarterback whisperer <laughs> no it was doug peterson the whole time little do they know yeah and it's it's just so funny i know we, we've probably brought it up a few times on the show before but just to think back to that nfl draft coverage of kuiper and lewis riddick talking about the staff of frank reich and and all these guys on the staff and the, wow they're really gonna uh orchestrate the growth growth of bryce young <laughs> owen fork <laughs> can't buy a first down dude and he looks terrible like they look horrific no, no, and I know we didn't like we didn't like Stroud, we didn't like Bryce Young, but uh, I, I think Stroud, Stroud's got some potential. But Bryce Young, yuck, man, he he looks like a Pop Warner player out there. Yeah, and Frank's doing him no favors. <laughs> yeah, poor Frank. This you might know, be at at some point this is going to come full circle, <laughs> where, where where maybe Wentz just wasn't that bad. Maybe it was Frank Reich and Ron Rivera because those guys suck at coaching. Oh, my God. I gave I gave Rivera a little bit of credit last week for the game plans with the Eagles, but I hear you, man. Uh, Miami, yeah, they're, they're a wagon. Uh, that, that kid, A-Chain, looks like he's going to miss a few weeks. He was like my only hope in fantasy. I had him stashed. He gets, starts getting the ball like 20 yards a carry and blows his knee out, so... Good fortune for me, but no, nah, I, I like the pick. Carolina's uh, probably the roughest team in the league, as you said. Winless. Uh, any 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 parting thoughts uh, for the people as we head into another week of action? Got the NHL back tonight. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch some hockey tonight. NHL's back. Shit, man. 
That's big. Fly- yeah, great, great time of year. Flyers Thursday, Columbus. Um, not sure there's much to cover, right? Let's just, uh, you know, hope for a few good towards sound bites and maybe a couple of rookies to surprise and we'll, we'll, we'll sell it off at the deadline and keep going with the rebuild, right? That's the only thing I like about, about this Flyers thing, right? You, you, you're not hearing it all over the city. There's no tagline about trust the process and we're tanking, right? They're just going about their business. So it's, it's, it's a ways away. It could fall flat, but I'm in. So you're, they're not changing the court or changing the logo or changing the uniforms or changing they did the, change the uniforms. Well, I mean, like significant changes. Are they changing the ticket prices? Is it going to be the nickel and dime crowd that's going to get in, or are we? What are we doing here? I mean, because the Sixers, they did it all. They threw everything <laughs> against the wall. Oh yeah, now yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. Um, it's going to take a lot to get the get the the crazy Flyers fan base back on back on board. But Sixers Sixers coming soon. See see in April. See in May. We'll, time, we'll talk about the second year. round exit. I, I, somebody, I forget, I forget who it was, uh, told me that they had a, a future. Actually, Andy, one of our boys, told, told me that he had a future on the Phillies winning the World Series and uh, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. And the payout was very good. He got it. He got it, I guess, before the season started. And I said, you know, I, I just wish there was a way to get like that parlayed with like the Sixers getting bounced in the second round. Like, cause that's a fucking clear winner. That might actually be negative money. Yeah. You, you could put the green check next to it while you wait, wait for the other two to finish out. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, man. Uh, good, good show. Uh, gotta say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to Menard premium detailing, uh, for sponsoring the show. Wish everybody a great week and we'll say go Phillies. And go birds, man. Buckle up. Playoff baseball. Full throttle. Peace. Peace.